In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. After a little bit of practice yesterday with Paul, hopefully I get a little bit better than a six out of 10 for effort on that one. But in lieu of that, I've said, Paul, you got to sit this one out. I'm get, I'm bringing Jack back in. We're moving to new position group. So ultimately, Jack, what's going on, buddy? Well, Paul's not here, so I'm going to give you a seven out of 10 for that intro. Yes! L- let's test it. If he snipes at each of us in the WhatsApp, that means he's actually listened to today's podcast. The clock ticks. Does Paul listen? <laughs> so. But no, I'm doing really well. Um, really enjoyed the wide receiver chat. Um, and we're on to the next one now. Going inside. The big man in the middle. Jack, na, na, is... na, 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 fat man. Well, the question becomes, are they fat anymore? Because we've started to see this where the evolution of the NFL, which is now becoming a more passing league, the rules obviously favor the passing game. You don't necessarily need the old Ted Washington's and the, you know, the big zero techs that just sit there and clog up two blockers in the middle, because now it's all about pass rush. I mean, we saw what happened to Mahomes in the Super Bowl. We've seen what's happened to Brady in the past. If you can get pressure up the middle. So a lot of teams now are morphing to these, maybe have a one technique and then three techs so they can get after the passer. Because at the end of the day, if you're willing to just try to run the ball up the middle all the time, how much sustained success are you going to have? Because in the NFL nowadays, everything says speed, speed. We need to add more speed. Well, guys with speed want to get to the edges. And with the edges, you need faster guys to get out that way, which means less Danny Shelton's. So let's talk about the interior of the defensive line. No, it's, it's going to be fascinating. So we'll talk through the players, but are we going to see that brave move of three, three techs and one, one second? If you need it, go- Google this. There's a really good sort of graphic you can get just search one technique nfl and it will give you a graphic so when we say a one tech that is on the outside shoulder of the corner when we say three tech the outside shoulder of the guard corner center outside corner or outside shoulder of the center yes you got corners on the brain buddy um maybe that'll be next we will see in three days time um but no so the first name there is sheldon richardson um, by far the most talented member of this interior defensive lineup. Um, he has got no real money guaranteed in his deal. Um, so basically it's a $13 million option the Browns need to take for him to play this season. So it's a big commitment, but he, he looks set to play. Um, they, they could have gone for a Sue. They could have gone for someone else. There was a couple of other names out there that could genuinely come in and replace him, but they didn't. So uh, he's locked in. Yeah, I think Sheldon has obviously been kind of a staple of this Browns defense the last couple of years. Dorsey, I think, brought him in because while Sheldon, a former first round pick, you know, out of Missouri, he was a guy that, you know, got, has had flashes. The problem is, is he's had a little bit of off the field stuff, especially with his time, you know, before going uh, from the Jets to Seattle. So this was a guy I think that was brought in really to kind of bring an attitude to the team. And 
work next to a Larry Ogunjobi, work next to, you know, a Vincent Taylor and just kind of show these guys, Hey man, we got to be tough. We got to be big. We got to be heavy guys here in the middle. And I think he's done a pretty good job of setting the tone for the room. He obviously is kind of that three technique. He can move inside being a little bit under 300 though. You're not lining him up head up over the center in the zero one. Okay. Maybe on third and longs instead of letting Chad Henney or whoever the backup quarterbacks are run for 14 yards on third and long. But ultimately, yeah, I think you're right. It's one of those things that he's just brought, he's brought an attitude. He's brought really kind of a staple of the Browns defense in terms of that interior defense line. So next up, I'm going to, there's two dudes that are basically on the roster as your rotational three techs. Um, and that is Malik Jackson, who according to Andrew Berry can play a bit of big edge if they want, which is sort of an edge on obvious run plays, which makes sense to be fair if you're, you'd obviously never want a Curtis Weaver or someone out there playing the edge. If you know the other team's going to run the ball, you want a fat dude out there. Um, and then the other name is Andrew Billings, who's a third round pick last year. You're talking about Jordan Elliott. That's the one. Yeah. So Jordan, Elliott, so we're talking Billings is obviously going to be our one tech. So we'll talk a little bit about him in the middle. Jack has got definitely uh, London on the brain today, but yeah, when we're talking about Malik Jackson, we're talking about Jordan Elliott. You know, Malik Jackson obviously is coming in at about 6'5", 290. Uh, Jordan Elliott's coming in about 6'4", 300. So these are kind of your bigger edge. To think about a big edge when, when, Andrew, when Andrew Berry says that, you know, the Steelers obviously play a predominantly 3-4 in terms of three down linemen, four linebackers off the ball. They bring up TJ Watt. They bring up Bud Dupree. And now you could have a five-man front that would have some drop back. You can move them around. But Cam Hayward is kind of your thought of big edge you know, a lot of times in the draft process, you'll hear people say, is he a four, three edge? Is he a three, four end? So in terms of a big edge, you're now talking about, I can put a Malik Jackson outside. I could even move him as far as the five technique. If I really wanted to kind of go beefy in the middle, maybe I could want to, maybe I really like the matchup of miles Garrett versus a guard. I can actually move miles Garrett inside of Malik Jackson, push him out to the five technique. And now I can run stunts. I can do whatever I want. So in terms of versatility, in essence, what we're talking about is having three, four, if you're going up against Tennessee or Baltimore, you may even see five down linemen, where now all of a sudden we're saying we can move guys in a whole different, a lot of areas because you have the versatilities of maybe a one, three, and then the rest are these three and five or AKA big edge type guys. Uh, so you've got them all there and that versatility is key because it's a really a big advantage for Joe Woods to have there's many different cards that you can throw random stuff out there. And yeah, as you said, one week, if you, if you want to play 30% of your snaps and we're not talking, Hey, they're going to do hundred percent of snaps of five D line. It's going to be, Hey, they might do 20% one week because they're going to mix it up. And then the only real one tech on the roster is Andrew Billings, who was signed to play last year and um, got a one year deal and is here still because it rolled over. So it, he, he's due to play a solid amount of snaps um, and probably be your starting one tech basically for the whole season. Yeah. So when we talk about rotations, we talk about kind of the evolution of the NFL. I think there's this idea that Andrew Billings is going to be a three down player. That's likely not going to be the case in his career with the Bengals in his three years, he's played 34%, 33.8% of the snaps for Cincy. And then in his second year, he played 56.7%. And then his third year, he maxed out at 62.1% of the snaps. So you're talking about a guy that's probably going to rotate in, you know, in our previous podcast, we talk about Sheldon Richardson getting upwards of the 70% of snaps. 
you can start seeing Billings. I would probably guess he's going to be in that 55 to 60% range. That would be my guess. But you're also talking about borrowing a little bit from Sheldon, maybe adding Malik Jackson. Cause you remember Malik Jackson's 31 years old, you know, so it's really going to rely on a 23 year old Jordan Elliott because the rest of the guys in that room, Malik Jackson, 31, Sheldon Richardson, 30, Andrew Billings, 26, Jordan Elliott is the 23-year-old. He's the young buck in the room. He's going to have to pick up more than the 20-odd percent snaps he played last year. And I think they're just going to do a nice balance where of a team or, you know, really wants to try to attack them on the ground, you know, those Tennessees and, you know, stuff like that. Because the Steelers are never going to forget their identity to run the ball either. You can throw a guy like Billings in there who maybe one game he plays 60, 70%, but then there's some games when you play the Chiefs, he's only playing 40 or 50%, maybe even under that. So it's that versatility we talk about. Yeah, and so Malik Jackson and Billings should both be guaranteed a roster spot. Obviously, you could probably get away with trading Billings if you decided, hey, we really don't like him, but it makes no sense considering there's not really pure one tech there. Um, you've then got um, Jordan Elliott, who you would expect as the third-round pick last year to at least have another year before moving on. It just seems rash. Sheldon is the only one at any risk, and that's not to say he's a 50-50 to get cut. There, there's one route that I, I think he could get cut. Before we go into that, I, I think there's just an interesting debate to look at of, hey, will we take four? Will we take five? Because we're normally looking at a roster on the defense, you would expect five edges, four on the interior, five linebackers, 11, uh, 11 DBs. Um, and that's sort of to be the mix. So you're expecting nine D linemen. Could you see us go four edge and then five on the D line if there's someone they really, really like? I could see, I could absolutely see that. But my question is, is as we adopt this, this what we'll call, you know, we're talking about Joe Woods in the secondary safeties and free safeties, strong safeties, box safeties, nickel safeties inside. I mean, we have the Delpits, the Harrisons. We have all these guys that have this versatility. Who's to say we don't do that inside as well in terms of the D line. Who's to say we don't go with maybe four D tackles, four edges and two hybrids. Maybe we bump it up to 10. You know, I think five linebackers is pretty much where you're going to go. So I think the number is going to be nine, but who's to say we don't go three prototypical inside guys, four edges, and then two guys like a Malik Jackson that can play big edge, you move them inside, you move them outside. So you really can't call them an edge and you really can't call them a D tackle. I think they're going to have those hybrids. So you could look at it as saying, I'm going to have some multi-positional versatility inside and outside. So saying, oh, it's going to be five and four. You might have technically four, three, and two, where two guys, they're unclassifiable. Because realistically, Miles Garrett's an edge. But you're telling me Miles Garrett isn't going to line up inside against some poor schmuck guard that's going to get his tail whipped all day if they got that matchup? Absolutely. So these are D linemen, not necessarily edges ends because this NFL nowadays is just a house of cards in terms of how we're building these defenses. So there's only one defensive tackle expected to go in the entire first round. Um, and so that dude is Christian Barmore. Will he go, will he be there on the board for us? Um, and that's one question that we don't really know him. It wouldn't surprise me if he's gone. It wouldn't surprise me if he's still there. And it really mixes by teams. My gut says he's probably gone. Um, if he's there, can you see the Browns taking him? 
you know, I, I got told pretty early on in the, in the process about Christian Barmore, who for some reason I called Bazemore for a while. And I started watching a little bit of his, his game. What's odd is, is all of a sudden now Warren Sapp comes out last week and tells him, you know, if this guy's a first round pick, then we got other things going on. And you're like, okay, maybe he's just saying that for attention, but then you kind of go back and I'm not gonna lie. I went back and I watched a little bit of Christian Barmore tape and I'm like, what is it about this guy that is so controversial, so to say, in terms of what is he doing? I can definitely see what Warren Sapp sees. So, for example, the Alabama Crimson Tide are playing the University of Kentucky. Barmore, virtually non-existent. I think he had two or three plays where he made a name for himself. Then all of a sudden, it's against Alabama or I'm sorry, against Ohio State, Alabama, and the guy shows up like a first-round pick. There's not a lot of consistency. Then you go back and you say, hmm, well, this guy's 21, going to be soon 22 years old. You know, this is a guy who is really young. It's the consistency, I think, that they're really looking for because when the going got tough in Alabama's season, whether it was, you know, the SEC title game, the college football semi against Notre Dame and then Ohio State, this guy couldn't be stopped. But then you look back at the beginning of the year and there was a stretch in there against, you know, Tennessee and Mississippi state. And he, you could tell he was definitely saving himself up. So I'll be curious to see how teams overall evaluate that. This is a guy I think that has the potential to be upside. You're talking six foot five, you're talking 310 pounds. You're talking about a big boy and he can play that big edge. So you're talking about a guy that again is in that three outside shoulder five, even mold but you could technically play him at the one, but that's just really not his strong suit. But if you have maybe Malik Jackson on one side, Miles Garrett on the other, and I got Barmore in the one, okay, I can run that. But I think the question really kind of is going to sit with him is I think some teams are going to have him as a first round talent. I think some teams won't. So the question really becomes is what teams between say 18 and 25 have him as a first round talent and who don't, because that's going to determine whether he's sitting on the board at 26. Yeah, and if the Browns do decide to go for him, I think it would result in Sheldon Richardson getting moved on because I just think that will free up the money to go do something else, whether it's to that they go big on a corner, they go they could trade for somebody, um, bring in some aging vet that another team is willing to offload. I just think that's the one route where they'd go look, we draft a guy, we'll let someone go. A, a bit like, for, to remind Browns fans, the Gary Barnage drafting in Joker and then moving on from Barnage. Um, I just think that's a route where they, they might move on from Sheldon because they're not... You've got three dudes on one-year deals and you've got Elliot's the only one who's got anything really left there. So it wouldn't surprise me if they did that. I personally don't think they will. Um... But if they did, Sheldon Richardson will be on proper squeaky bum time. Here's my question. If I think right now there's a sense that Jadavian Clowney is eyeing up a possible small deal here to come with the Browns. But as of right now, the Browns have Miles Garrett, Tack McKinley. They've got DN1, DN3, maybe. And then you've got the Curtis Weavers and the Joe Johnsons. Or I'm sorry, Joe Jackson, my buddy Joe Johnson. Shout out to you, Joe. You're a great guy. Joe Jackson, and then you got George O'Bean, a friend of the show, and Cameron Malvo. If the Browns decide to go with Barmore, could you think that maybe they just take 
keep Sheldon and take that from the end position if they don't get Clowney? Because I think they're going to know pre-draft before if Clowney's going to sign there or not. So say Clowney moves on and they don't really have a quote-unquote DN2 target, could you not, like we said, have five guys from the interior, four on the edges, and just have my speed guys in tack and miles, and then now I have a, a room consisting of some big edges where I can move the Malik Jacksons, the Barmores, and the Sheldons and fill that role? Certainly could, but you obviously need to be careful as well because the last thing you want is a load of dudes like Malik Jackson playing edge when if you're leading against teams, you actually need the you need proper edges out there. Um, Malik Jackson isn't ideal at an edge if you're dominating against a team. Um, and I, I think it's one, they're under no hurry to make a decision, so they could wait until camp because if a Curtis Weaver starts flashing, they've got Curtis Weaver that they could have for three years or they've got Sheldon Richardson, who's on a one-year deal, it might come down to that, hey, we want to keep Curtis Weaver for three years. And the the actual roster spot you're looking at, if you draft a Barmore, is potentially, do we want to keep Curtis Weaver as edge four, sorry, edge five, or do we want our fifth uh, fifth interior? And that, that last man out of the five would actually be Richardson because everyone else has got deals guaranteed. So on this current roster, Weaver's a four. Right now, no, Curtis, no, but I'm, Curtis I'm, I'm saying they draft other the players. Then, if but they if you don't go, add Clowney, don't they're that... going to draft somebody else. Correct, but if they take Barmore, that means your first round pick is not on a DN, which means the earliest you're going to get a DN is the end of day two, or I'm sorry, end of round two, day two. Yes. those guys aren't going to come in and likely be able to start right away. So those no. are guys maybe that are competing with the Obinas and the Cameron Malvos and the and the Curtis Weavers because right now the Browns only have two edges that are known commodities so to say and that's even just known names so you talk about that flexibility of moving the big boys to the outside then all of a sudden maybe I, joe I, wood I, says i'm gonna rush the jacob phillips is and i'm gonna rush you know the mac wilson's of the world and i'm gonna bring in my edge rushers as linebackers it's a possibility yeah i just don't think they're gonna be that keen to throw too many big dudes out wide because obviously you can do it but if you're leading it's not ideal and Malik Jackson is not ideal at edge if you're 14 points up and you're trying to stop the other team. He's more ideal if you're actually behind. Yeah, and um, before we get lunch for going over time, I think that this conversation is a great one to have hypothetically, but I ultimately think that what's going to happen is Barmore is going to probably go before the Browns pick, and then the nice part is you don't have to worry about D-tackle for another two days because I don't even see a guy in the second round I really like. I know that PFF likes a couple guys. We'll talk about it another time, but I think if the Browns don't use D-tackle at first round, it's going to be day three. Then nobody's guaranteed anybody, any position. We won't even draft one, but we'll get to that over the next couple of days. And there's literally one last question. I know it's going to be a 20 minute episode. We apologize, people. One last question. I'll go first. If you could have one wide receiver at value, so obviously not your favorite wide receiver because you might not want to take this dude at 26, who would it be? I'm going to go the wide receiver I would take if we're taking one at anywhere in the draft. It's that. Day two pick, Dimani Brown. Dimani Di- Brown. Diami Brown. Diami Brown. Six one, wide receiver. Give me some speed. My guy. I'm going minimum fourth round. I think he's projected to be a fourth or a fifth round pick. I'm going Seth Williams from Auburn. I think he would be a guy 
you bring him in. I think him, Nico Collins, and even if you want to go one, later, one, that one, one, Travion one, Grimes. One. These are guys that are not starting. Seth Williams is my guy. He can go to the back. He can practice squad. He can develop. Seth Williams, they do. Boom. So thank you very much for listening, guys. And as always, go Browns. Go Browns.